As a mid-market business owner, one of the most important things you can understand is money management, not just for the business and its finances and cash flow, which is important, but also for yourself and your family. How do you use the business that you've created and the cash flow that it generates and hopefully the profits that it makes to extract that money, invest it externally, protect it and see it grow as an independent asset outside of the business itself? Hi, I'm Craig West, and in this episode of Mid-Market Matters, we're talking to Michael Bova from Family Wealth Advisory, and we're going to find out how you can better manage your money inside the business, and even more importantly, outside, and create a separate asset altogether. Michael, thanks for joining us. Craig, thank you very much for having me. So, just explain to me, Family Wealth Advisory, what does that actually mean from a business owner's point of view? So... We're financial planners. Well, I'm a financial planner, but our goal is to work with um, typically family business owners and to help them eliminate the stress around money and money management. And what are we looking to do? We're ultimately trying to protect their family wealth. We're trying to make sure that the family is looked after, whether they get out of bed in the morning or don't. One of the key ways to do that is if we can help build up some passive wealth, so some wealth outside of their family business, it helps create that stability. Now, that's not to say that the family business itself is not important. It's actually quite critical. Um, So, we work very closely with family businesses. As they grow their family business, we help them grow their portfolio assets and and private wealth outside the business. So, the two kind of stabilise each other. Um, You know, and if we can create wealth that can support an income stream that can look after that family, we've ticked a box. If it can look after the next generation, we've ticked a second box. Third generation, that's getting more difficult. Um, That really comes down to education and training. But that's ultimately what we're looking to do. And that's important for the business owner from a headspace point of view, because financially, the businesses we're talking about typically are reasonably successful. They make good money. They've been around for a while. But you're talking about de-stressing their finances by getting it outside the business and protecting it. Yeah. So, so, so a few stresses. One's around money. The second is around succession planning. So if it's a family business um, and, and they've got the next generation coming through, that handing over is always quite a challenging process. So having a very clear succession plan in place is, is, is quite critical and that takes some stress away from there. And then really, um, when it comes to family business, running the family business side as opposed to the wealth side, um, having non well, family members who are not involved in the business, understanding that they're owners through the family structure, but not operators and managers. And uh, I guess help, helping families sort of manage that process. So the last thing you want is family members who uh, think that they're owners of a business coming in and telling the CEO or management how to run the business, those types of challenges. And often you see, I, I've, I saw a client last week who runs a massive plumbing business. And he said to me in these exact words, mate, I'm just a bloody good plumber. And so he looks at his bass return and his P&L and he's going, I don't know what that means. Just show me some pipes and taps and I've got it sorted. But he's employing 55 people. He's got three factories and, you know, he's way out of his depth. But the good thing about him was he knows that and he gets good advice. Yeah. And you, and you see that. The good entrepreneurs, they have a secret. They have a secret. They, they do it well. They're quite rare. Um, they actually become really good leaders because a small business, so like that plumber, he could have just been a really good plumber and, and just gone out and made good money. But somehow he's accumulated a team around him and he's gone out and he's delivered a bigger business, mid-market business. To get there, really, it takes a special type of person. And they really need to understand why they're in business, 
motivate those around them because if they're inspired about what they're doing, they motivate the team around them. And then they do what you just said. They surround themselves with really smart people who can help um, strengthen uh, that business around, you know, be it around tax, be it around asset protection, be it around operations, whatever it is that's going to drive them forward. That's a character thing. That's not a skill set. I mean, you don't go to, to TAFE to be a plumber and learn that. That's obviously ingrained. What is that? Is it character? Is it mindset? Is it? It's a little bit of all of that. There, there is also probably a missing element where it comes to appetite for risk. So if I do look at some of the more successful businesses, I mean, those that get there a little bit quicker are prepared to push that boat out a little bit further in terms of the risk that the average person isn't prepared to do. And they reap the rewards. Now, those that push the boat out and probably don't manage the business quite as well, um, there is quite a high failure rate. So, you can see why a lot of people are a little scared to push that boat out too far because of the consequences. But those that do have the appetite for it and have the skill set and attributes, yeah, they tend to do quite well. Okay. So, I'm interested to find out more about how they do well and what is it that makes them successful, but also then more about what you teach them to do around their finances. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, in terms of what are some key attributes that we we see in successful entrepreneurs? Well, as, as we said earlier, they've got a key goal. They understand why they're in business. Um, what gets them out of bed in the morning? What motivates them? What do they love? Where's their passion? They then tend to build a business around that. But but more than that, they develop a burning desire around that passion, a burning desire. It just totally consumes them. That's what they want to do. Um, and then they take that and they implement it in a strategic plan. And that strategic plan is really about how do they get from where they are to the, where they want to get to. That's really the key. A lot of people can sort of have the first burning desire, but without that strategic plan to get in place, very rarely have I seen it succeed. So they've got a strategic plan in place and they've surrounded themselves with a board and the board of mentors and advisors helps them sort of execute that plan. Because as you go from small business to mid-market business, one of the challenges you're going to get is the staff numbers are going to go up. As the staff numbers go up, silos start to get created. You've got market over here, you've got a division over here, this division over here doesn't think that division over there. They all think the boss can do the job, but they don't think that division over there can do the job. And once you've got silos, you miss out on that Amada principle. You know, the Amada, like when an Amada of ships arrive, it's quite powerful. If they arrive in dribs and drabs, it's not quite the same effect. And that's the challenge the CEO of a mid-market business starts to face is how do we avoid those silos? So assuming we've got to that point and we've got a successful business and we're making money and we've been around for 10 years or more, what does that look like then from the family wealth point of view? What what does the owner need to start to think about? Yeah, so we work really closely with family businesses and helping them extract some of the excess profits from the business and direct it into um, investments outside of the family business. One of the main reasons is diversification is so critical. Just in case anything ever went wrong with that business, the last thing you want is the entire family wealth going down with the business. So it makes sense from an asset protection point of view. We work very closely with their lawyers and accountants in how to effectively get the cash out. What is the most effective way to get some of the cash out of the business to grow wealth for the family? And that's where that that knowledge around tax helps. So working closely with their accountants, how does the money come out, dividends, salaries, incomes, those type of things. And once it's come out, where does it go? Where, where does the cash flow actually end up for the family so it's protected? Protected for them as well as protected for the future generations. And that's where asset protection um, is really important, but also estate planning. So your model, firstly, to get back to the basic principle is don't reinvest or leave all the money in the business, take some of it out, 
and put it somewhere else where it's protected. Yeah, have a strategic plan for the business. It's going to require a capital to keep the, the, the business growing and being competitive. But on top of that, if there's surplus cash flow there, let's grab it. Let's grab it and get it out. So you don't have a lazy balance sheet. The business is working hard. You're building wealth there. You can see your personal wealth growing alongside your family wealth. You get the double motivation, the double inspiration, um, and it just manages your psychology. Because if the business has a bad year and you've got $10 million of investable assets, you're going to be less stressed than if you've got hmm. nothing outside the business and you have a bad year and cash flow is tight. And then you've got financial stress and financial stress is just depressive. Yeah, and leads to really bad decision making it, it, in and out the, in and outside. That, that's absolutely right, Craig. Yeah. So once we once we do that, and let's assume we can get to a point where we take, you know, is there a fixed percentage you normally recommend, or it's horses for courses? Obviously. Look, you know, there's some basic principles of pay yourself first, and 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 from those principles, the ten percent tends to come up. Percentages on companies is quite difficult because mm. if it's a supermarket retail chain trading on a very low percentage margin, taking 10% out would be quite difficult. Um, some high-tech uh, firms that have incredible margins, 10% would probably be a bit low. But in terms of the profitability of the business, if you can draw money out, and let's say you're pulling out $300,000, $400,000, if you're pulling out $300,000 a year to your personal world, um, 10% of that $30,000 a year is kind of your minimum amount you want to be saving if you want to become quite wealthy outside of the business. What I've seen well, uh, what I've seen happen though is if you start at 10%, some people start at 1%, 2%, it's the habit. But once you've started saving, paying yourself first, that 10% becomes 15, becomes 20, becomes 30. And once you can save 30% of your income, you are going to be wealthy. That simple. It's, it's, That's a pretty big statement. It's that simple because, well, unless you don't manage the savings that you're now yeah. putting aside well, and that's the second step, yep. we can get to how best to do that. But if you can start to save 30% of your gross income year on year on year and the compound returns start to kick in, if you manage the money well, you're going to be wealthy. Okay. And the sooner you start, the more wealthy you're going to be. Better get on it. <laughs> so what happens then? I've we got my 14-year-old started already. Excellent work. He's on so 50%. he's going to be wealthy already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good on him. So let's assume we get to that. We've got the money coming out regularly. It's a habit, as you describe. We get into the habit and we gradually get some money coming out regularly. Then what? Where do we put it? What do we do with it? Yeah, that, that's where it's really important that you sit down with a financial planner. So if you have a financial planner, sit down with them. They'll work out all your goals and objectives. If you don't, I'm more than happy to take a phone call. But the the goal there is to, what is it the family wants to achieve this year, next year, in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years? Really understand where you need money and when you need money. When you understand when um, when the money is needed, you can start to put that cash flow we just talked about, which is now pouring into the wealth pot, to work. But we don't want to put money to work today that you're going to need in six months in a strategy that really needs five years to mature. Mm, mm. So that's really it's really critical that uh, everyone has a plan. And then if you can stick to that plan and execute the plan, we build the investment portfolio from there. That's step one. Step two is to sit down with a family and, and understand their appetite for risk. So, so important because people's relationship with money is so complicated. When assets are going up, people tend to want more of them. When assets are going down, they panic and want less of them. And, that, and that's the opposite to everything else in the world. Like if the price of milk is going up in the supermarket, you're probably going to buy less. And if the price of milk goes down, you probably want more. But in the <laughs> investment world, um, our psychology is so strong, it tends to um, get in the way of a strategy. So understanding your appetite for risk, understanding how much tolerance you can have if your share portfolio fell 20%, would you sell? 
or could you manage 30% before you sold? That helps the advisor structure a portfolio in terms of how many shares to have in there, how much property to have in there, how much cash, how much bonds to build that portfolio for them. It's interesting. You've got a very strong technical, you know, accounting, tax, law background, but you just talk mostly about psychology. How important is that? It's so critical, so critical in, in, in all facets of life I've found, but um, particularly around money and business management, but particularly around money, because if you can't control your emotions, you will never control money. It's that simple. And it's, and it's almost, I'm not going to say impossible to do, but it's just so difficult to do. And the, and the best thing you can do is strap yourself to the mast as the sirens are singing. And the best way to strap your, yourself to the mast is have a strategic plan and have a wealth advisor there so that if you, if you go off course, they'll bring you back on course. So that's a bit of a challenge for business owners who are often and typically a bit control freak style to suddenly hand over and say, okay, Michael, you're in charge of my money. Good luck. Hope it all works out. Um, how, how much of a barrier is that with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So um, type A personalities work with a lot of type A personalities. We're, we're not looking to get in there and change anything dramatically. What we're trying to do is just strengthen and improve their position. And and so for those type of personalities that are used to controlling everything, what we do is we just try and start with working the cash a bit harder, almost like a treasury roll. Let's get the cash where it belongs, the excess cash out of the business and just, just work it a bit harder. And then from there, start to build a small portfolio that sits alongside their bigger assets, like their properties and, and their business. And they'll see that portfolio starting to perform. They get a little bit more comfortable with it. And as they get more comfortable with it, we get a stronger allocation to it. So over a 10-year period, I've seen those portfolios start from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to sitting over $20 million. It's about the client getting comfortable with an asset class um, and that asset class working well for the client. And you're not talking about highly aggressive trading strategies or any of that sort of stuff. You're a very conservative, just get in the habit, put the money aside, put it somewhere safe and watch it build. Absolutely. We work money hard, but rule number one is try not to lose your money. And rule number two is really refer back to rule number one, protect your capital. Okay. Once your capital is protected, then use strategies to try and optimize returns. But we're not there to try and you know shoot the lights out. We're there to make sure that the wealth is there to transition through the future generations. But that doesn't mean we can't work the capital hard. So um, we definitely optimize the returns for our clients. Um, but we're a conservative firm by nature. Um, we're there to protect family wealth. Yeah, which is really important. How much of a conflict is there between, from a business owner's point of view, you know, I've got one at the moment who's looking at selling the business. We're probably going to get five to $6 million out. And he's saying, well, what am I going to do with that? Because at the moment, the bank's offering me 2%. In his business, he's making 25. How much of that is an issue to say, well, shouldn't I just leave it in the business and make 25? Yeah. So, um, great question. What should a family do? Should they keep running a family business or should they cash out? Um, There's a mathematical answer to that, but that sort of doesn't really take into account some nuances that are quite important. So many families would do so well if they just put their money in a um, well-diversified portfolio and left it alone and the compound returns just work their magic over a period of time. Um, I think I was reading once where if all the Trump wealth 
um, that Donald inherited was actually just put in a broad-based index fund, he'd actually be more wealthy than he is today. <laughs> but, but what it ignores is the importance of family business and having family members work in a family business mm. and keeping a family together and the benefits of doing that. So um, that's really where the magic of having a family business is. And that's why you see that the successful ones go from generation to generation because you can get them in the business. You can train them how to run the business. That keeps that business going. If you cash out and you have a portfolio of assets, it'll do well. But in terms of the family, it'll just get split between the next family and then divided between the next family. And, and that's not a good or a bad thing. But in terms of the compound returns of building a business and building a business, I mean, you look at the ones that have done successfully, like Vizzy and Richard Pratt, and um, they're obviously up at the, we're out of mid-market now and we're going into large business. But um, that, that just needs to be considered. So there's no right and wrong answer. Should you sell? Shouldn't you sell? Um, it comes down to your succession plan and, and getting a balance between what's the objectives. You mentioned asset protection before, um, particularly, obviously, being in any business is risky, some a lot more risky than others, but they're all risky at some level. Taking money out, investing it separately, what are the asset, what are you looking at there in terms of how do we protect that asset? So, asset protection is really critical for business owners, has been my experience. Um, to get good asset protection, they've got to work really closely with their accountant. They've got to work really closely with their with their lawyers. We play a critical role in terms of obviously a broad strategy for the family, but we're not licensed to give asset protection advice. But what I've seen the, the accountants and the lawyers do is firstly put protection mechanisms within the boundaries of the company or the trust structure or whatever it is that the company is trading out of. So there's strategies you can use to kind of ring fence divisions within divisions within the business. Um, so the first thing to have a look at is an asset protection strategy for the existing business. And then you start to look at strategies around, I guess, the ownership of the business. So first work within the business and then look at strategies around ownership of the business. Um, and then once you've looked at that, the asset protection strategies then look at where does the wealth outside of the business get held? And, and that's where you start to have a look at things like trust structures. It's where super funds potentially can start to get involved and depending on the age of the family, you know, superannuation can be a great asset protection vehicle. It can also be an unbelievably tax efficient vehicle. It's just got liquidity constraints. It, you know, once the money goes in there, you can't get it back out until a certain age, which is around about 60 unless you're in a transition period if you've retired. Um, so if you go and put money in at 45 to get a great tax result and great asset protection, fabulous. But if you need the money at 47 to buy a house, you're going to have a liquidity crunch. You're, yep. you're not going to... Yeah. So it's horses for courses. And that's, I mean, you've already, you mentioned a few things there that are quite seriously technical and complicated. Um, this is not a DIY plan. You need advice. Business owners, I mean, I, I'm an accountant by background. I've still got a tax agent's license. I don't even do my own tax returns because I just think that's too complicated now. Someone needs to be an expert. You, you need someone mentoring you and, and, and I guess driving that strategy. So for us, take for example, the last conversation we had around superannuation. We will have a long-term plan for families to make sure that by the time they reach the age that they can get their superannuation, we're maximising the wealth inside the superannuation, but not going too hard too early so that they run out of cash beforehand. That's a plan. That's a strategic plan. We implement that for our families. So we balance liquidity, we balance the need for tax, we balance the need for asset protection, um, and we also um, make sure that estate planning considerations are in there because if a member of the family pass away, the last thing you want is all of these structures getting unwound and all the asset protection benefits disappearing. With a well-structured estate plan, you can actually strengthen 
strengthen those structures. Let's talk a little bit more about that without getting into massive detail, because that's obviously, you know, if you talked about baby boomers and succession and mm. retirement, estate planning is the next barrier. Mm. What do we need to think about? So estate planning is really about who do you want to inherit your assets if you pass? And with family businesses, it gets a little more complicated because we've got um, obviously equity ownerships in there and we've got family trusts in there. And the complication with estate planning is, well, it just a consideration is a will, which normally founds the, sort of forms the foundation of an estate plan. A will will deal with assets that you own directly, that you own personally. It doesn't deal with assets that you don't own. So for example, a family trust or a superannuation fund. So your estate plan really needs to be mindful of all of your structures, all the assets in there and bring it together. So a good estate planning lawyer will do that for you. A good family wealth advisor will work with you and your estate planning lawyer to make sure that all of the factors are taken into account. Because there's some there's some nasty tax implications on it if you get estate planning wrong. It's mm. almost like a hidden mm. death duties. Um, but if you inherit superannuation and it goes to particular beneficiaries, and in particular, if there's a life policy inside superannuation that goes to certain beneficiaries, there's some, there's some nasty tax results. So you want to make sure that your estate plan is just mindful of all those factors. So there's a fair bit to think about, but it's not an area to try and work out yourself. I, I wouldn't encourage people to go down to the local news agency and get a do-it-yourself will kit. <laughs> I personally wouldn't, wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> I've seen the power of a well-documented estate plan put in place and then unfortunately get executed because of the passing of one of the clients. But the power of what's left behind has set up multiple generations. I wouldn't want to leave that to a document from a news agency. No disrespect to news agencies. I'm just saying, yeah. if you want good Get advice, right. pay for good advice. And in that space, you need a really good estate planning lawyer. Yeah. And get it right. Get it right. Absolutely. Um, what else? What have we missed? What, are, what else do business owners need to really think about? So succession planning is really, really important. Um, that's probably one of the most critical. And that's an area, Craig, obviously, that you, you specialise in as well. So getting the succession plan is absolutely critical because if you build up this big business but you don't um, succeed on the succession plan, it can all go to custard. So succession planning is really critical. We're just dealing with a succession plan with a client at the moment. Um, it's not an easy thing. It's not yep. a quick process. You want to get in there. You want to spend years developing that one. So succession planning, we've had a chat about. Using the business as a cash cow to generate wealth outside is a good strategy. Um, and then estate planning, we've had a chat about um, building an investment strategy around around the investments outside of the family is is another critical thing. Obviously, we play a key role in that. Um, they're probably the key areas I think, you know, okay. owners of mid-market business need to think about. Before we wrap up, your number one tip, if there's one thing that you could leave with mid-market business owners and say, you have to do this, what is it? Habit. I find that really my really successful clients are just good with habit. And that, that probably sounds a bit dry and boring, but if you, if, you, if you peel it back, let's get a bit more emotional about it. Um, be passionate about what you're doing. You know, follow your heart. You know, I, I love The Alchemist. It's a great book and there's a shepherd in there and he follows his heart. Anyway, it's, it's, it's almost like parables about how to, how to live a really successful life. Um, so if you're passionate about what you do, that's great though. You can be passionate, but if you don't have that kind of strategic plan, you're just not going to move forward. And these successful entrepreneurs or family business owners have that passion, but they implement it and they, ha they create habits. They Successful habits every day 
that they just implement. And once the habit's built, they become successful. So in a word, habit, I wish there was a more emotive word for that. (laughs) That would just sound a bit sexier, but... But I think we all know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to run a marathon, you've got to get up every day and run. Yep. Not just wait till the day before and go, okay, I'm going to have a crack at this. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Michael Bover, thanks for joining us. Lots of good tips there. Thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me. And of course, if you want more tools and information to help you with what we've just talked about, head to the Midmarket Matters resources page at midmarketmatters.com.au. Family Wealth Advisory Group Proprietary Limited is licensed as an Australian Financial Services licensee, license number 500323. Any information provided in this presentation is of a general nature only. It is not intended to take the place of professional advice and you should not take action on specific issues in reliance on this information. It is not intended to be relied on for the purpose of making investment and or business decisions. Before making an investment decision, you need to consider, with or without the assistance of an advisor, whether this information is appropriate to your needs, objectives and circumstances. You should obtain a copy of the relevant product disclosure statement before making a decision to invest in any financial product. Family Wealth Advisory does not give any warranty as to the accuracy, reliability or completeness of information which is contained in this presentation, except insofar as any liability under statute cannot be excluded. Family Wealth Advisory, its employees and authorised representatives do not accept any liability for any error or admission in this presentation or for any resulting loss or damage suffered by the recipient or any other person. This information is provided for persons in Australia only, is not provided for the use of any person who is in any other country.